0: to the Exploring Excellence podcast, a show where I interview professional service leaders, innovators, and client service stars on the importance of people delivering excellent services to drive business performance. I'm your host, Lynn Bromley. I'm an author, speaker, business consultant, and the managing director of First Impressions Training. I've spent my whole career in professional services and a large part of it in finance and technology, so I'm a huge fan of all things techie. But I want to make sure that in a world where we're more connected than ever before, and strangely more disconnected at a human level than ever before, we bridge that gap between tech and people. So sit back and enjoy the show while I introduce you to today's guest. Hello and welcome to Series 1, Episode 13 of the Exploring Excellence podcast. And today I'm chatting with Director and Co-Founder from Lumion, Chris Golby. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Lynn. Thank you for having me.
0: That's an absolute pleasure. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about what you do now.
1: Yeah, sure. So, I'm from a company um, called Lumion. And we operate in the mental health and wellbeing space. Uh, Basically, we have a free individual product, actually, which um, anybody can sign up to. And it's a tool where you answer some weekly questions. And once you've answered these, you get back some scores on areas of mental health and well-being. So this can obviously prompt you into areas you can work on. Once you've received those well-being scores, um, it will prompt you towards areas and resources where you can work on this, you know, whether it's an area such as sleep, mood, maybe stress, distraction, you can get some resources around that and some bits to help you free. Um, we also then have a business version of the products where businesses can pay to unlock more premium content and do that for their, uh, their employees. And if they do that, they also get some business data backs some anonymous aggregated data about the individuals, um, but they can find out what's going on. And then actually we provide a suite of software tools to allow them to maybe put on events or create action plans for the organization and actually help the employees within the organization and at the same time help their the business's productivity.
0: Excellent that sounds great so we'll come back and ask you a little bit more about the the, the products and what you do um in a little while but tell me how you got into this I'm interested to know what what was your background did, did you have a background in this prior to to running the business?
1: Yeah, absolutely so I I originally came from a software background. So I was a software engineer, I did a computer science degree. And then I went on to um, I, I worked in that area for a bit doing a bit of coding, working as a programmer, then moved into research. Actually, I went to Warwick University, where I completed a PhD within digital health. I did a lot around physiotherapy and occupational therapy at the time, through my PhD and on to research projects afterwards where I worked with stroke patients, with breast cancer patients, with children with cystic fibrosis and again a lot around physiotherapy and occupational therapy. But at the time it was difficult because we often did a lot of tech projects in the way grant funding works within universities. We were often starting projects and then moving to the next one so we didn't see them getting the full commercial value out of them and I don't mean that in a money-spinning way, I mean in the way of actually being helped patients longer term and so at that point we went out and founded Everless and originally we wanted to do just standard software but we, we moved into this area of helping helping people and helping patients within the NHS and we did a lot of work with the NHS and we did a lot of work with uh, leading universities probably the biggest project we ended up doing was um, with King's College London, South London and Maudley NHS Trust and that was a project called Slow-Mo, which helped patients with psychosis. And we actually ended up on the BBC One show as a result of that. So we had a lot of success around that. Um, and in particular during that time, we, we moved from a lot of physiotherapy and occupation therapy projects over to the mental health sphere. And that was obviously growing in the UK economy at the time, the exposure to mental health and the exposure to well-being. And realistically we've been doing a lot of projects for other people for the universities for NHS sure and we wanted to go out and actually make a difference with our own products which is actually where the idea of Lumium was born from. And that started around 2017-2018 and has been growing up until now.
0: Wow that, that sounds like an amazing journey to to get to where you've got to and, and a really strong background as well um, in in founded in research as well, which I think is really important. Um, so you mentioned there that, that wellbeing and mental health is is on the agenda now. People talk about it much more freely. Um, and I think particularly at this, at this time, as we're recording this, um, we're still in lockdown in the UK due to COVID-19. So quite unusual circumstances. And I imagine um, wellbeing and mental health is even more important at, at, at this particular time. So why do you think it is generally that we seem to talk about it more now than we than we ever used to
1: yeah it, it, it's really interesting isn't it the growth the exposure mm. to mental health and exposure to wellbeing. i i remember a couple of years ago when i first started looking at this what, three or four years ago when i spoke to a lot of people about, uh, about mental health they often have these views of you know one through over the cocoon there, and these serious views of mental health about serious psychosis and serious mental illness um, and at first, it took me a lot of educational time to say to people, "Look, you know, if you go into a meeting and you come out of it angry, and you go into the next meeting, it affects your performance in the next meeting. If you're doing that five times a day, every day, eventually there are going to be consequences of this." Mm, absolutely. I said, well, yeah, I suppose there's ways to to look at it in that way. And I would sort of turn around and say, "Well, you know, that's mental health. We all have mental health on a continuous basis." It's not mental illness, there is a very different basis here. If you don't have a broken leg, it doesn't necessarily mean you're physically healthy. So why do people believe that when you're not mentally ill, are you mentally healthy? Mm. And it's interesting to think of it in that way. And so I think it's coming very much to the forefront now and people are beginning to realize this, that we need to look after our mental health in the same way we look after our physical health. And actually the two are completely intertwined and they right. affect each other on a day-to-day basis. And uh, certain things that have brought that to the forefront. So this, this 24-hour society that we're experiencing um, had a great quote recently, which was, we have very much learned to answer emails on a Sunday afternoon, but we ha- haven't learned to go to the cinema on a Monday afternoon, which I always think is quite poignant. Mm, yes. And it's that difficulty with having constant exposure to work and a constant level of stress. Some, some stress is a good thing and you want to be on a stress curve you want to be pushing yourself um but at the same time you don't want constant constant overexposure to it you need to be able to withdraw from it mm. and I, I do think people are seeing this a lot more they're being exposed to stress levels a lot more um anxiety is very high particularly at the moment with the covid situation people are thinking about the future so oh, say so stress is about the past anxiety is about the future and people are stressed about the current situation and anxious about what's going to happen. Um, But I do think a lot of people are talking about mental health more because of this 24-hour society, because of the exposure to it, and also it's starting to appear in the press a lot more. You're starting to have people like Prince William, people like professional footballers appearing on the news talking about this. The awareness of it has risen. The awareness has risen that it's not mental illness, it's mental health. Mm. It's always been there. It's just people are now talking about it. I often get asked why why is it simply emerging and it's not emerged it's just that people haven't been talking about before.
0: Definitely yes. I think people used to um, send people away to the, you know, to convalesce, didn't they? And it was it was sort of um, brushed under the carpet. Nobody wanted to talk about it at all. But I think you're right. I think it's really helpful when you do get people that are in the public eye talking about it because it just brings it to everybody else's awareness. Then, and uh, if people are thinking, well, if it's okay for Prince William and Prince Harry to talk about, then actually it's okay for me to talk about. So I think sometimes celebrity can be. Um, Mm. dangerous thing but actually when it's used well and it's used for positive reasons such as uh, the two princes I think that works really well and and can be really helpful to to allow people to to have those conversations and to ask for help when they need it as well absolutely Excellent. So, m- moving on to talk a little bit about um, service excellence, um, as in the name of the, the podcast, um, tell me a little bit about what it means to you and also whether you've had to adapt that in terms of where we are now with uh, the fact that we have got travel restrictions and, and obviously uh, still in lockdown. So, have you had to adapt your, your services in, in order to still deliver great service to your clients?
1: It's interesting, isn't it? So I, I've been speaking with a lot of these different business leaders during this period, and one of the things that's generally come out as a communication point is that this is a time to really step back from your business. We we always talk about working on the business and not working in the business. There's never been a better time to work on the business. You're not in the day-to-day operations. You're not down into it, and that chance to work on the business comes hand in hand with the service excellence side of it. So beginning to look at things such as, you know, what are your current net promoters course? Do you make things as easy for the customer as you can do? Um, can you move the speed, for instance? Um, I know one of the things we'd look to do as a, as a company is look at how and where the company and um, where individuals are interacting with our system and trying to automate as much as possible trying to make it easy and as fast for the customers as possible and then taking time to to speak to them and interact with them speaking to various people such as well-being providers and seeing how they interact with the system and i suppose it it really is a, a big opportunity at the moment to reflect as much as possible on the overall business and take that helicopter view of it all and i think we should probably see it as an opportunity an opportunistic time to do that
0: Mm-hmm. yeah that 's a really good point actually, because um when things happen to us, the way you view it in terms of it either being an opportunity or a or a threat is is really um, really interesting isn't it to see how you come out of it so i think that's a really good way of, of looking at it that it's an opportunity to sit back um, and as you said to view the business and to see what you can do to make it even better for your for your clients so that's mm-hmm. a really really good point so moving on from that then tell me a little bit about the the culture at lumion um so one of the the aspects that you mentioned that you that you measure on the platform is around the culture of organisations. If it's you know if it's a business that you're doing this for rather than individuals, so tell us a little bit a bit about your own culture.
1: Yeah, so um, I, I think I think with the system itself, we we have indicators of culture, and obviously wellbeing is highly linked to culture. I would say we're not we're not an engagement platform per se. We we do we have very close ties with the culture of an organization, um, and I think that's down to no matter how many processes you put in an organization, if you don't have healthy, well people, those processes are never going to be followed. And I, I think that's really poignant. And I think culture is so important towards the effectiveness of the company, the service levels of the company. I mean we all know Richard Branson's famous comment right which is look after your employees and in turn that look after your customers and I think it's so important we move towards an employee-centric society and I think that's really really important to take into account Um, and at Lumen we we try to push that as much as possible we try to have an open culture Uh, we try to express vision values we know the product we're working towards um, we know the underlying values of the company we're all about collaboration, being open, being able to talk about things, um, goal setting together. We try to hold sessions together. We run activities together as a small team and we're able to do that. Um, and I think you know, collaboration, communication is so important to this. We have a lot of catch ups online as whole teams. Um, we often have various individuals checking in with each other to see if everyone's okay. Um, and actually, Ben, the other co-founder of the business, is doing a great job of sending out a daily communication. It's a little update where he sends out a couple of videos he's picked for the day and updates on where we've got to and what we're working with. And I think it's just staying in touch uh, and making sure people know where we are. And I suppose the, the other couple of bits of that, that goal setting as a part of that. It's important so people know where we're moving to, what we're trying to achieve. And also then take into account um, the kind of diversity and inclusion side of things. So making sure that everybody's included as much as possible, make sure we're communicating with everyone as much as possible. I suppose taking that into account and keeping things relaxed, um, making sure everyone's content with what's going on and everyone feels like they're moving forward and they're not just stranded and isolated during a difficult time
0: brilliant and so would you would you normally um, hold some of your meetings online as opposed to meeting face to face so has it been fairly fairly easy to transition to to working from home as we are doing at the moment or have you had to make some changes
1: it's, it's, it's an interesting one because we, we haven't we we haven't classically held whole team meetings online we will do the odd meetings online they tend to be one to ones um, i know our CP engineering holds a few meetings every now and again if it's worth a room with the guys from the software team. Um, we obviously I'm out the office a lot, doing um, a lot of business-to-business business side of things, and so I will communicate by phone, via Zoom pieces like that. But in general, we have no formalised structures for it. Mm. Whereas now we've been pushed into doing everything by Zoom or by Teams. We use Teams quite a lot actually. Um, And we've been driven into that. Um, And I think putting more formalized uh, um, virtual meetings in has been the difference. And getting everybody online at the same time, getting everyone to talk. Um, And trying to keep the social side of it up as well as just the, the general work stuff
0: yeah yeah i think that's important isn't it to have a bit of fun as well rather than it all being mm. um all being about work and and it's interesting isn't it because i think most people i'm speaking to at the moment clients and contacts and so on um everybody wants to do Um, video calls which you know we've always had the ability to do but we haven't maybe used as much as we could have done and it seems as if everybody wants to be doing them now so I think there is that real desire to connect isn't isn't there that human-to-human connection of seeing people um, as well as just hearing the voice over over a phone Um, so that's that's been an interesting thing that I've noticed there has been a big shift towards
1: yeah yeah definitely Um, I actually had a great conversation going on LinkedIn, which actually ended up trending on LinkedIn recently about this, where I asked people what is it they were doing? What's the main thing they were doing differently during this period? And they just said, just keeping up as much one-to-one communication as possible. And it was what came out across the board. Mm. So just picking up the phone every now and again and just calling someone, not because of work-related incident or a task or a goal, just to catch up. On that human-to-human level, I think as as business leaders and heads of HR, you you often we often talk about having your finger on the pulse, so being able to get a feel for what's going on in that organisation. But as a virtual organisation, the rug's almost pulled out from underneath you, so you don't have as much of a finger on the pulse because people are sat in a completely different location to you,
0: yes.
1: and so you, you have to go about it more proactively than you normally would. Um, and actually make communication to establish how people are and how they're getting on. Um, you know, obviously we try to help with that with the Lumion tool as much as possible as well, trying to get some interaction, some scores back on what's going on. Um, but I think just trying to maintain as much communication as possible is key
0: yeah absolutely we've noticed even uh, when we go out to do our daily walk uh, we' bumped into a couple of families that we tend to see you know out and about They obviously go at the same sort of time as we do and um, if you observed us from a distance, you'd probably think we were long lost friends because we stopped and we had a proper conversation, obviously at a distance um, but we would never met them before, and I think it's it's the fact that we just do crave that human connection don't we when we are in this situation where we're having to be locked down and, and kept away from people when you do see somebody you do want to have a good chat with them rather than just a quick hello um, as you may have done before so that's been quite interesting just to notice how people are behaving differently as well just out and about generally as opposed to in a in a work context as well so yeah it'd be interesting to see if some of those behaviors play yeah. you know after this after this lockdown is uh, is over so, <laughs> I,
1: I I hear people saying everybody says hello to me all of a sudden Yes, everybody's out on the street walking around, and it's nice. You sort of I've I've made the comment that when you're when you're inside, you often watch the news, and it feels like it's very panicky, anxious situation where the economy's crashing, and we need more money and a bit like this. But it's quite nice when you sort of leave the house. At the moment, it's quite nice outside to be able to speak to people in a more in a more friendly manner, and people are very polite to each other, and people are helping each other out, and. Yes. There's great clapping for the NHS on Thursdays and mm. all these bits going on that are really fantastic. And it, it's great to see the, the bits of the country pulling together.
0: Yes. Yeah, I think that's, that's going to be really valuable. And I'm sure some of those things will, will stay afterwards as well. Fingers crossed yeah. anyway. Um, so what are you doing yourself, obviously, in this, in this unusual set of circumstances we find ourselves in? So what do you do for yourself at the moment to, to keep yourself in a good place?
1: For me, the biggest thing is structure, trying to keep a structure in your day to day. So um, I think what a lot of people do is they're, they're simply sat at home. So they're working seven days a week and not taking a break. And they're also not separating out a strict point where they start and stop work. And there's, there's different ways you can do that. And I think it's because people are so used to being physically based that so they're guided by time, which they're not anymore. Um, but there are certain things you can do to split that up. So personally, I tend to set myself goals for what I want to achieve throughout the day. I use Outlook and use the task list with an Outlook. And I'll separate that out to tasks that I need to do this week, tasks I need to do tomorrow, and tasks I need to do today. And I work through that list. So my my actual day will vary in length slightly. But once I've achieved the goals I want to achieve, I tend to then get up and go and do something so I will get changed um, and go out for a walk or go out for a run um, recently getting a bike so I go out for a bike ride as well um, and then coming back and once you've had that separation you can then relax for the evening knowing that you've cleared up your stuff I tend to then set aside the computer put that away in a cupboard get changed, I've heard Mind recommend, even if you're around working in your pajamas in the day, change into nighttime pajamas. Mm -hmm. You've got that distinct separation. So making sure you've got that categorization. And then on a Friday, I tend to go for a long run, finish a little bit earlier, and then have a weekend and try to separate it from work for the weekend, so I'm maintaining that structure. And I think that's really important So you're almost setting artificial boundaries for yourself. Mm. You can feel that separation, and you've got you need to have areas to look forward to, goals to look forward to that are not just work based goals, individual goals, whether it's working on bits for the house, carrying out projects, music, bits like this, uh, exercise goals, all these things. So, setting up those things, maintaining structure, maintaining goals for yourself, and keeping mm. as normal a daily routine as possible, and not sinking into letting everything merge into one, I think yeah. is really important.
0: Mm, absolutely uh, i i agree with that completely i i follow a, a very similar pattern actually and i, I use a, a book it's called a, a passion planner and and that helps you to split your goals out by the month the day the week uh, even by the hour if you want to but uh, i find that really useful just to have something i can physically tick off as well um, and see it laid out in front of me so i spend a bit of time each evening just planning that that out and looking at what i want to achieve the next day um, and this areas for both personal and business so it helps you to distinguish between the two um, so yeah very similar to to you in terms of how i how i do that as well and it, with a bit of yoga thrown in as well <laughs> i'm doing a daily yoga class at the beginning of the day so i'm finding that good to obviously give a bit of exercise but also that's good for the mindset as well yep
1: yeah, yep yeah, makes sense actually my um Partner has a fashion um, a planner as well, and it was recommended to her by my sister. Yeah. So they're both using the same things as well. I think it's great because it's about setting goals and long term. I know there's a, um, a really good story about a guy, Richie McCaw, who played flanker for the New Zealand All Blacks. Um, and I read a story around him that when he was about, I, don't know, I can't remember the exact age, but say seven, he uh, spent a lot of time with his granddad. And he said to his granddad, one day, I'm going to play for the New Zealand All Blacks. And his granddad said to him, well, if you're serious about this, then let's see what it takes to become a New Zealand All Black. Um, And they mapped out other All Blacks routes to becoming an All Black by the time they were 25 and how to get to be captain of the All Blacks team. And they wrote the goals out in reverse order by hand and put them in an envelope. And they kept the envelopes behind his wardrobe, I think it was. And each year he tried to achieve one of the goals that was in the envelope. And I believe the goal he ended up achieving when he was 22, 23, I think he became captain of the All Blacks very young, was what he aimed to achieve by the time he was 28. And having that long term planning and working backwards with your goal setting mm. can give you some great drive forwards. Um, I know that uh, you know a really important thing is not to think about what's happened in the past too much because you can't change it and yeah. not to think about what's going on in the future too much because again there's only so much influence you can have over that but what you want to do is instead of trying to think about what's going to happen in the future set yourself some goals for the future and focus on now and working small pathways forward to get to mm-hmm. those goals yes
0: yeah I love that story it's that's fantastic Um, I very much believe in having little one percent um goals so that each if you're working on things that are very small but are moving you towards that goal then it really helps because if you try and it's that whole concept mm. of you know if you try and eat an elephant obviously you can't do that but if you if you were to do it one bite at a time you may succeed so uh, yeah. it, it's it's yep. really breaking things down as small as possible so that they're achievable isn't it yep
1: and i talk sometimes about Instead of trying to make one thing one hundred percent better, make a hundred things one percent better. Yes. And your business will move forward as a result, and that works whether it's in a business or whether it's individually.
0: Absolutely. So I was going to ask you if you could go back and give your younger self a piece of advice. What would it be? But I wonder if you may have answered that question with uh, with your tip that you've just given there. I think that's a great. One. Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: I, I think that's probably really it. Is, is to keep focused on those forward looking goals and maybe, maybe actually plan even a bit further out than I have done. I always kind of, I'm quite a goal oriented person. So I, I tended to set myself goals for the next five years and wanted to achieve that maybe I could set myself goals for 15, 20 years, and then work backwards on them. So there's an even bigger picture going on.
0: Mm.
1: And I think it's trying to do that. And then knowing the path you are heading not having to worry about what's going to happen you know the goals you want to achieve and you can't control everything else around it so strive towards your own goals and don't dwell too much in the past and don't dwell too much in the future and stay as present as possible and i think that comes hand in hand with the whole mental health aspect as well which is trying to stay as present as possible
0: yeah absolutely and um contribution is important to both of us so is there a particular charity that you'd like to to highlight that you support and that you'd like to bring to the the listener's attention
1: i would actually so obviously i was asked about it before um so there's a a charity called free at last um which is based in birmingham there's a guy named john street that heads it up um and they work with children and young people in basically low-income areas of birmingham and i really wanted to point them out because john's been doing some great work at the moment um around helping people in those areas and and it's down to the point considering this is birmingham i'm not that far from the city center what they're trying to get hold of is things like food just basic food to be able to support themselves because these are people that have been cut off from income and have have children have young people in their families um i've heard stories of people having clothes stolen and it's like this within those areas. So just basic support games for people to play. Um, I know on Free At Last they have an Amazon wish list where you can simply go on, spend, you know, a small amount of money, five, ten pounds, um, and buy something for those families to help them get through. And it's a real simple way of seeing the uh, seeing the impact that it's having. I suppose you can sometimes get a bit lost in these big charities and it's really nice to see a smaller charity that's having such an impact locally within Birmingham.
0: Yeah. And I guess at the moment that's going to be even more important because um, lots of people have either lost jobs or, you know, been furloughed and maybe money's not coming through as quickly as it could. And um, so I guess they're going to be in even more need, aren't they, of, of that support right now?
1: Absolutely. And I, I can't stress that enough. And, for me being from the mental health and well-being background i, I can't I, I couldn't even contemplate how much of an effect that must have on a young person mm-hmm. and the effects it will not only have now but ongoing for years yes I um, and I, I think that's really important
0: yeah brilliant well i'll put the the link to the charity on the show notes as well so if people want to to click through and go and have a look then they they certainly can and in terms of getting in touch, how about getting in touch with you or finding out more about Lumion? Where's the best place to people, for people to go to to find out more?
1: Absolutely. We, we, we've got multiple contact points. So if you head to lumion.co.uk, that's the main website. We can find out some information. Um, you can contact me directly. Um, it would be great if we can put my LinkedIn profile on the page as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. So we can drop that on. Um, and my email address is just chrisgolby at loomian.co.uk. and I'm going to touch any there. Um yeah they're they're probably the main contact points.
0: Okay, that's great. And you mentioned earlier on that there's a, a free trial at the moment. Do you want to just speak a little bit more about that in case people are interested in, in wanting to take up that offer?
1: Absolutely. So for the individual person uh, version of the product where you get your weekly questions you're given well-being scores you're able to track things over time and you're able to get access to some resources as well that's completely free and will be free ongoing Um, at the moment we're limiting the total amount of people on it who get free access to it just so we can scale it up Um, but we are offering that out now to people and if people would like to get involved and have that for free ongoing, then they can get more at lumium.co.uk slash personal. Or if you head to the homepage, there's I think a banner at the top of the website at the moment, or you can click the four individual link. All you need to do is pop in an email address and that's it, you'll be up and running.
0: Wonderful, that sounds great. Chris, thank you so much for your time this morning. That's been wonderful. Thanks a lot. Thank you as well, yeah. I'm sure you'll agree there was some great content that Chris shared there, so thank you once again for that, Chris. And if you did enjoy it, then please remember to subscribe so you hear all of the other episodes as they become available. And also, it'd be great if you could rate and review the episode as well. That helps other people to find it. And I think the timing of this episode couldn't be more perfect. We're just going into week seven in the UK of lockdown as this episode airs. And I don't know what it was about week six, but there are lots of people I spoke to last week and and saw things online where people were really struggling. So um, people seem to have been okay, but then hit a bit of a wall last week. So if you yourself need some help with your mindset or your health and well-being, then please do go and check out the, the link that Chris mentioned. And I will put that on the show notes as well. And you might also remember that I recorded an episode, it was episode uh, six of series one, and that was me reading out the first section of Trusted, the book that I co-authored in 2017. And that section is all about mindset. So You'll find lots of tips and hints there and things that you can do to help yourself during this very unusual time that we're going through. So I hope you stay well and healthy and I will look forward to catching up with you next time. Bye for now.